Welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Happy weekend, kiddos, outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian. This is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. So I've got one story for you. There's a couple of other things that happened. You know, you've got Mike Johnson in Washington, D, passing as Speaker of the House, passing some bills that really you're just looking at it and you're just like, are you any different? No, not really. And then you've got some things happening in South Carolina that, you know, our, our House is in session, House and Senate are in session. And so they've got some bills that they've been passing. I might do a I'm, I'm waiting to hear back on one other thing. And then maybe next week we might do or no, not next week, because I already know what I'm doing next week. The week after that, we might do a summary of some of these things. But we had a really bad bill passed here in South Carolina, and I'm still kind of grappling with some of the information. I'm, I'm really kind of stunned, and it has to do with the, you know, you're hearing the word health czar bandied about. And and that really is, you know, they're, they're saying it would be an unelected bureaucrat. So it would be somebody that's appointed by the governor and they would be basically the secretary of health in the state of South Carolina. And they would have the jurisdiction to, for example, if there was another pandemic, the sheriffs would have to obey whatever the health secretary says they would have to, you know, if they said we've, we're going to do shutdowns, blah, 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 people have to wear masks, and, you know, sheriffs would then be held responsible to enforce those things. And there are some other things that they did that is really bad, bad news. And it was a real blow for medical freedom in the state of South Carolina. It's some other, some other bureaucrat we've now hired uh, who's going to have a six-digit salary. And it's definitely a step in the direction of limiting freedoms instead of granting freedoms to South Carolina citizens. And I'm just real disappointed. The only people that stood against this was the Freedom Caucus. And if that tells you anything that you need to know about the rest of these jokers in the South Carolina House, that's it. This is it. And it really is just starting to feel like... You know, two things. They either just have an absolute... How could they look at this thing and say, yeah, this is a great idea. We need to have an unelected bureaucrat that's controlling how people respond in a pandemic after what we saw happen in 2020. And they either have no common sense or... They hate the Freedom Caucus so much that they're just willing to vote for the opposite of what they know the Freedom Caucus is going to vote for. It's really one of those two things. And that is terrible. And it shows you a lot. It tells you a lot about, one, the maturity, and then, two, the intelligence, in my opinion. And or, three, whether, whose side they're actually on. Because they either lack common sense, they're not on your side, or they hate the Freedom Caucus so much they just want to vote. Which really puts them in the category of not being on your and my side. They're not on the side of liberty and freedom, okay? So anyway, that happened here in South Carolina this week, and I've just been kind of marinating in the disappointment of that, not gonna lie. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, well, but there's been a couple other bills, and I'll probably bring uh, maybe everyone up to speed in a couple of weeks because some of those things are still ongoing and happening, some of the other ones. But what I really want to talk about this week is I want to talk about fentanyl. 
So I read an article this week by James Fishback, who writes for the Free Press. And for the Free Press is the news outlet that Barry Wise started. And if, if you don't remember, oh man, I'm going to get myself a drive. She was at the New York Times. And she kind of had the big thing about leaving. She wrote a phenomenal resignation letter about why she was leaving and about where she views journalism now and how poorly journalism is just as a whole and as an industry that it's really not true journalism anymore. That was basically her main point. And so she left, she started, she ended up starting her own news outlet called the Free Press. And I don't agree with everything from Barry Wise, obviously. I mean, she's still pretty liberal and I am a conservative, so I don't see eye to eye with her, but I can respect how she views and that she is understanding where journalism is going in the United States. And one of the guys that writes for her is James Fishback. And he wrote this article about fentanyl this week. And I've not talked about this on my show. And I just thought it was time. And so I want to bring all of us to a point where we're understanding what's going on regarding this drug. And I don't, before you say, oh, well, this doesn't, you know, nobody I know uses drugs or nobody in my family uses drugs. This won't happen to us. Before you think that, let me tell you some information about why fentanyl is so different from your other opioids that you and I think of, like cocaine and heroin and all the rest. So every week in America, about 22 kids die of a drug overdose. 80% of those deaths are linked to fentanyl, a cheap synthetic opioid 50 times more potent than heroin. Even with illicit drug use among middle and high school students on the decline, so in general, middle and high school students are using drugs less, fatal teen overdoses have never been higher. So deaths from drug overdoses has skyrocketed, but in general, illicit drug use is declining. What's going on? It's because fentanyl is so deadly, it often kills kids experimenting with drugs for the first time. See, this is not your typical... Well, here, I'll, I'll say this first before I say that. Between July 2019 and December 2021, according to the CDC, 86% of adolescents who died of a fentanyl overdose had never previously experienced a drug overdose. A lot of these kids are first-time users. A lot of these kids are getting something like a Percocet or a or Adderall. You know, one story that I was reading was a, a college student who has ADHD. She was a pre-med major, and she's 21, and she and her roommate had gotten uh, Adderall to be to help them focus for their for their exams, etc., because they both, or at least the one student had ADHD and it was laced with fentanyl and it, she died of an overdose in her dorm room along with her roommate. And, and it's because they got these over the counter, not knowing they were not real Adderall and it was not, so it's not just, you know, hey, my kid's going out or somebody's going out to get heroin or it's some other illicit drug such as that, like cocaine, 
or meth, they're not getting those kinds of drugs. They're getting Adderall. They're getting a Percocet. These kinds of things that, you know, sure, we shouldn't, kids shouldn't be getting them illegally to begin with, but they're not like they're going out. They're not thinking they're going out and getting a hard drug or an illicit drug. You know, these, this is a child that's probably taken a lot of Adderall in her life. Maybe she ran out and she said, oh, I need to get another Adderall. She's, she's like, it's too hard for, you know, or it takes too much time. Maybe her car broke down. I don't know all the details. Who knows why she decided to buy an Adderall from some, or get an Adderall from somebody else and not a pharmacist. But either way, she had no idea that she was taking something that was laced with fentanyl and she was killed immediately. And so we have to change the way we think about fentanyl because it's not, these kids are not dying of drug overdoses like we think of them. They're being poisoned. Let me explain that a little bit more. You see, when people, and I actually called my dad and I had a discussion with him and he's obviously as a medical doctor, as a family physician and a doctor who's worked a lot in the emergency room and also done a lot with mental, in mental health and in the mental health field. He has worked with a lot of patients who are drug abusers and who eventually die because of a drug overdose. And I, and I asked him, I said, what typically happens when somebody is takes drugs and dies of a drug overdose. And he said, well, a lot of times it's because of a potpourri of substances in their system. Because you see, when you start taking, for example, something like uh, meth or cocaine, you start with a little bit and you slowly have to increase that amount in order to get the same kind of fix, the same hit, the same level of high. And so they increase it. And then what they end up doing is they end up combining it with alcohol or like I said, kind of to use my dad's words a potpourri of substances and a lot of times when those folks will die and then they they do a drug screening or a test on them to figure out what all was in their system it'll be a lot of different things and so that can lead to the drug a a, a death from drug overdose Uh, sometimes the fix may be more potent than they anticipated because it's very hard for the cartel and they don't really even try or care to make sure that it's the same amount in every pill. Unlike something that you get from, you know, an ibuprofen or whatever that you're going to buy from a pharmacy and they've, it's all gone through a lab. They have the exact amount of you know, the, a drug in those pills. And maybe it's something like a Percocet or something stronger oxytocin. It's they, they have a very precise system with which to make sure each pill is exactly the same drug cartels drug the guys who guys and gals who sell drugs they're not paying that close of attention to this they don't have the same kind of processes by and large so one fix could be more potent than another and it could cause a drug overdose and then the other way is that he said that instead of you know let's say that somebody took a break and instead of working their way back up to from, you know, they start with a little bit and then get back up to a lot. Sometimes they'll take a break. And then when they go back to, you know, they're trying to get trying to get off of drugs. When they go back, they'll go straight back to using what they the amount that they had last used instead of starting out with a little bit and working their way back up. And and that will cause them to have a drug overdose. But my whole point with this is that when you see someone who has died of a drug overdose, typically you're seeing someone who started out with a little and worked their way up to 
and and chasing a high that they can only get now by mixing substances or taking such a dangerous amount that it's a a little bit of a Russian roulette every time or etc. So that's what you see this increase in the amount that they take over time and then that leads to heart failure etc and they have a drug overdose and they and they die. That is not what you're seeing with fentanyl. Because fentanyl is a lot of these kids, it's the very first time they've ever tried. And a lot, and like I said earlier, sometimes it's a Percocet, sometimes it's an Adderall, sometimes it's an oxytocin, sometimes it's, it's a drug that is not an illicit drug per se that we think of when it comes to, by, you know, when it comes to drug overdoses. So where is this drug coming from, you might ask? Mexican drug gangs are primarily responsible for spreading this poison. And there are two main, it's, uh, and I'm not going to pronounce this, this first name right, so sorry, but uh, Sinaloa, S-I-N-A-L-O-A, and Jalisco New Generation Cartels. They import um, fentanyl's precursor chemicals from China, and of all places, Wuhan, China, to Mexico, where they manufacture the drug pressing it into counterfeit prescription pills. And the the pills are then moved across the border, and, and it could come via legal checkpoints or illegal border crossings uh, to dealers in the U.S. who often use a social media app, which is Snapchat. And if you're not familiar with that, the messages are anonymous, and they disappear within, within an instant. It's just a couple seconds that the message will be there, and then it's gone. And they use that, but they use that social media app to peddle the drug, particularly to kids, uh, young children. Uh, there was one story I read. It was a 13-year-old boy who'd had a root canal in a lot of pain. And he connected with somebody via Snapchat and got a Percocet thinking it was just, you know, hey, I, it's just a painkiller. It's not an illicit drug. And of course, you and I know as adults, it's really, you know, not a smart thing to do to buy a pill off of social media from anybody that if it's not coming from a pharmacy. But, you know, this is a kid. This is a 13-year-old. He's he's thinking to himself, I'm not, it's not a, a, a strong, powerful, you know, illicit drug like meth or heroin or cocaine. None of those things. It's just people prescribe this all the time. What's the harm in taking it? And again, you and I as adults know better. But again, 13-year-old kid who has access to a dangerous tool called Snapchat connects with somebody who brings him to what he thinks is a Percocet. It's laced with fentanyl and he dies of a drug overdose. And over and over and over again, in these stories that I read and, and that I heard, the parents use these words, I'd never even heard of the epidemic with fentanyl before now. These parents had no idea of the danger of fentanyl, they had no idea of what was going on in our country with fentanyl, that this was actually, some of them had never even heard the word before. And so they didn't know to warn their kids. And, you know, we all think, you know, we're warning our kids don't do drugs and we're thinking about meth, cocaine, heroin, those things. But even some of these don't take a pill from a friend, even if it's Adderall that you take all of the time. Because who knows where they got that? And if it didn't come from a pharmacy... It could have something very dangerous in it that could kill them on the spot. In 2023, the DEA seized more than 77 million 
fentanyl pills, the most in a single year. It costs the cartels as little as 10 cents to produce a fentanyl-laced fake prescription pill that is sold in the United States for as much as $10 to $30 per pill. And that's from the DEA uh, administrator, Ann Milgram, and she told Congress that in July in 2023. The cartels make billions of dollars from trafficking fentanyl into the United States. Again, that's from Ann Milgram, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Why? That's the question people ask me all the time. I had a friend, uh, I had a couple friends actually who asked me that question this week twice. Why would they want to send drugs that could kill people? These are the customers, right? That doesn't seem like a very good business move. Well, you, you might be asking yourself the same question. Why would cartels make a drug that so easily kills off its customer base? The simple reason is greed for a couple of things. And I can back that up with a couple of things. Fentanyl creates a return stream of customers because it is highly addictive. The next is that it's cheaper to make than other opioids. And then because a smaller dose has a similar effect relative to other opioids, it's also easier to smuggle. And, and then Eric uh, Falkowski, who's an incarcerated former fentanyl dealer, and he was interviewed by ABC, uh, ABC News, he claimed he could make over 10 times the amount of counterfeit opioid pills with a kilo of fentanyl rather than with a kilo of traditional components. Even if 1% of their buyers die, the profits they're making are worth it. It's just collateral damage for the cartel, and they continue on with business as usual. So that's really what it comes down to for them is that it's they're able to create a much they're able to the their return on the customer stream or the stream of customers because of its highly addictive nature is very high. It's cheaper to make and in a smaller a dose is more is much more effective or is has a similar effect relative to other opioids. So it takes a lot less and it's easier to smuggle. So those three reasons right there are why they're using it. And they're just saying, well, we don't care if we lose a small amount of our customer base because we're able to, it makes up for it with how easy it is to make and smuggle and all of those things. And then the CDC has a really bizarre way of approaching the fentanyl crisis. And this was something that, um, that James Fishbeck talked about in his article. And so the agency's official fact sheet warns of the deadly risks of the substance. And it also suggests the public need only use test strips to ensure the drugs they take are safe. <laughs> and, you know, first of all, it just seems like we're in bizarro world that we're ad- advising people who use illicit drugs on how to best do it. But I guess that's the world we live in. But that advice is pretty dangerous, according to James Fishback, because the test strips, even though they tout a 96% accuracy rate, that's true only if the tested sample reflects the entire ac- the entire contents of a pill. And there is a case of w- with a young woman named Brianna Scott who went to a party. She split what she thought was a Percocet, cut it in half. Her friend took half, and she took half. And Brianna Scott, an 18-year-old, died at that party while her friend did not because two halves of the same pill the, the two halves of this same pill led to two radically different fates because again it can they're lacing these pills and 
they're, uh, but it's not evenly distributed throughout the pill because that would take a level of expertise that a lot of times the cartels and drug, uh, those who sell the drugs in the United States, they don't care to, they don't care to try to get that, uh, make that effort. And so the CDC also, though, they also recommend the nasal spray Narcan as a life-saving cure uh, for fentanyl overdose victims. And Narcan, it can, has, and will continue to save lives, but it's no panacea, as James Fishback said. And for one, stocking it inside American schools, that's a gargantuan and costly task, but it's going to do nothing to help the average kid, which 82% of teens who overdose on this uh, are at their house or someone else's home. They're not in school. So how's it going to help us to have Narcan in the schools? And what's more, 30% of fatal adolescent overdoses happen when the victim is alone. And Narcan is useless if no one is around to administer it. And, of course, a lot of that's because kids are taking it, like I said, for Adderall or Percocet or whatever. I mean, they're not at a party shooting up like we think of with a lot of these drug overdoses for, for teenagers. And so it's this situation with fentanyl is very different from the drugs that you and I, when we were coming up and everybody was talking about don't do drugs, it's very different from what we think of when we think of drugs and drug overdoses. There is no, you're, there is no increase that these kids are going to have to, you know, there's no time, basically, where they start out with a little and it increases, 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 where they're chasing that high, and then suddenly uh, they're mixing substances, etc. That's not happening with a lot of these kids. A lot of these kids, it's, like I've said, the very first time. And it's not even an illicit drug. And so there's four things that James Fishback, the four pieces of advice that he gives parents. And to this is what you need to tell your children. Number one, there is a poison killing 200 Americans of all ages, backgrounds, and races every single day. And it's called fentanyl. Most kids who die from it don't even know they are taking it. Number two, drug dealers are selling fake pills cocaine, and meth with fentanyl to boost their profits. Number three, these fake pills look identical to the real ones. Xanax, Adderall, Oxycontin, Percocet, and others. You cannot see, smell, or taste fentanyl. Even DEA agents can't tell the difference between what's real and fake. Number four, most important, do not accept any pill of any kind if it didn't come from a doctor or pharmacist. Even if your best friend offers you a pill, they won't know if it contains fentanyl. Okay? And that's the biggest thing is because there's a lot of these kids who they're not looking to take an illicit drug. And you might be asking yourself, well, why are the drug cartels even lacing things like Adderall or Percocet with because it creates an addict? Because it, it can get into the system of a kid who is, t- you know, maybe they're just taking Adderall because they want to study better on a test, and which is a bad idea to begin with. But look, it's not cocaine. And so they take Adderall. It's laced with fentanyl. It gives them a high. And they're just like, man, I, I want another one of those Adderall pills for the next time I take a test. And then they get another one, and it's also laced with fentanyl. And then... 
you see how this cycle starts and then they've got a stream, a, cu- a customer stream. And that's, and they're creating addicts who were never even interested in getting and becoming a drug addict on an illicit drug. And so do not accept any kind of pill that doesn't come from a pharmacist because you have no idea what could be in it. And your friend and you need to discourage your friends from doing it because it could be poisoned. Not that just, hey, it could be a drug that you could get addicted to and have a lifelong addiction to. No, it could be poisoned and kill you. Totally different than what most kids think of when they think of drug addiction and drug overdose. And James Fishback closed his article with this quote, and I'm going to use it because it's so, it it is perfectly describes what we're facing here. In the age of fentanyl, your life will become a coin toss. Heads, you get high. Tails, you die. The only way to win this twisted game is to refuse to play. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannamillershow.com. 